It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 425 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, November 28th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got all 32 NFL teams covered as well. We've got the local angle on every big story in every market, you know, your team every day. That is what we do on the Locked On Podcast Network. We've also got the national angle as well with Locked On NFL and Locked On NBA. Big national contributors on that side. On the NBA side, we got Ben Golliver and Sam Amick once a week. And then on the NFL side, Mike Sando, Sage Rosenfels, a bunch of great experts who joined Matt Williamson on that show. It's a, it's a great network. It's a very good network. You should subscribe to the Very Good Network on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts, and then find the hosts that you like and leave them ratings and reviews. It's very, very nice and very helpful for algorithms and rankings and all that good stuff. So thank you in advance for taking the small amount of time it requires to do that. We have many, many rankings on Lockdown Raptors, and it's very much appreciated. Every single one of you who has left one, it's, it's awesome. So... All right, let's get to today's podcast. On today's podcast, I'm posting the audio from Tuesday night's live podcast from Odds Bar in Hamilton that I've been promoting for the last couple weeks. Uh, Myself, Vivek Jacob, Kelsey O'Brien, we all went up there and uh, had a nice time just kind of chatting about the Raptors. Myself and Vivek, we did a little player grades thing for, you know, the, the the stars of the team, the secondary starters, the bench, Nick Nurse graded them on the first quarter of the season, and then Kelsey O'Brien came up and we did some good stuff on a mailbag questions, some fun mailbag questions that came in both from Twitter listeners and also from people who were at the bar at the time. It was a really good time. Thanks to Odds for hosting. It was a blast. So I'm just going to play the audio for this podcast today. It's a, it's a longer one. It's like 46 minutes, so I hope you enjoy it. And um, yeah, the, the audio quality, of course, we recorded it in a bar, so it's not like amazing audio quality, but it's very listenable. I had the sort of recording set up right next to the speaker. Also, the speaker was close to the kitchen, so there's some times where you hear some water running and stuff like that, but for the most part, it's it's very listenable, and I tried to touch it up as best I could when I edited it, so I hope you enjoy it, and uh, before we get to that, though, I want to tell you about our sponsor for today, and that is Action Heat. Guys, you know how much I hate the summer. I hate the summer. The winter rules. I'm big on the cold weather, and I know not, not many of you agree with me, but today's sponsor, Action Heat, might be able to make you prefer the winter and find solace in the fact that you can still be warm, summer warm, without being all melty and gross like you are in the summer. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to the heated seats of a car. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by a rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion battery that lasts up to 12 hours on each charge, and Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them. 
Perfect for any friend or family on your holiday gift list. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, anybody that loves the outdoors or hates being cold. Action Heat Clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. Action Heat is available in men's and women's. It has a great new styles and models just released for this winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm, even in the most frigid, cold, terrible winter weather. And they've got heated products that fit everyone's budget starting at just $39.99. We've got a special deal for our listeners too. To save 20% off your entire order, just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, let's get to the live podcast from Odds Bar in Hamilton with myself and Vivek Jacob and then also Kelsey. Kelsey O'Brien for the second part of it. I'm probably going to insert a couple ad rolls in this just so people are aware. Uh, it might sort of feel a little bit abrupt. It's kind of hard to edit around the live podcast. So you're not really thinking when you're doing that of like where you're going to put in ad reads and stuff like that. So apologies if they're a little bit abrupt. Just be prepared for that. And uh, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. We'll be back again later on to Wednesday. Where it's Wednesday, right? Yeah. Later on Wednesday, I'm going to do a recap of the Grizzlies game. We, of course, watched the Grizzlies game from the bar after I did this podcast. We allude to the Grizzlies game a little bit. That's the only outdated stuff on the podcast. Everything else is uh, still fresh and, and very much about the first quarter of the season and looking back as opposed to looking forward. And also thanks so much to anyone who came out last night. A couple of run-ins with listeners. Thanks to Scott in particular who came over and chatted for a little while. Thanks to Gary who had a wonderful question that he put up in the middle of the podcast during our mailbag segment. Uh, really great time and we're going to do it again. I think probably December 12th before the Warriors game at odds again. Uh, why not? It's a lot of fun and I get to go and drink beer and watch the, the Raptors play after doing a podcast. It's kind of what I would do anyway, just in a different setting. So I hope you can come out to that one if you want to come out for 9.30 or so on December 12th. We'll tee that up, and uh, there'll be lots of promotion of that ahead of time for the next Warriors game. But uh, yeah, I'll be back later on today with a podcast myself, just going deep on the Grizzlies win. It was a lot of fun, and uh, so stay tuned for that later on Wednesday, and that will do it. Enjoy the conversation. Enjoy the podcast with myself, Vivek Jacob, and Kelsey O'Brien, live from Odds Bar in Hamilton. What we're going to do to start this off is we're going to... Give some player grades for the first half of the Raptors season because the Raptors are 17 and 4, 21 games in. This is like sort of the quarter mark of the year, and they're extremely good. So I don't think these grades are going to be particularly bad, but we can dive into sort of the star players. There's Kyle Lowry, there's Kawhi Leonard, they're very good players. There's the secondary starters as well. We can do them in groups instead of doing individual players, right? So there's Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard. Let's start with the star. Let's give them a grade to start the year. So Kyle Lowry. Kawhi Leonard, the two best players on the team, one of the best duos in the league, if you're looking at, like, if you're just, like, across the league, what duos are better than Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry right now? There's, like, all of the, there's, like, the weird whiff of all the four Warriors in whatever two you want to have them, and then, who's after that? Because there's not many. Yeah, because, I guess you look at the East, um, you expect Kyrie and Tatum to be better, if they figure that out. Yeah. Um, Milwaukee, you know, Giannis and Middleton. I think that's up there. Yeah. Um, like, Russ and Paul George is, like, pretty good, but also kind of not as high ceiling, I think, as Kawhi and Kyle. Yeah. And also a little less weird, a little more weird when it comes to, like, modern NBA fit and stuff that you want in a modern NBA. Does that make sense? Yeah, and Russ is having a bit of a weird season, too, right? Like injury, injury, and getting back into things. But still, the Thunder are, like, playing insanely well right now after starting terribly, so maybe yeah. we should be putting them in that, in that category. Yeah, and then after that, there's like, it's really hard to go up. Like, I know John Wall and Bradley Beal. Yeah, John Wall and Bradley Beal probably think they're in that in that duo. They're probably like, yeah, we're one of those two best duos, but they're not. But so Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry have been fantastic this season, even with Kawhi sitting six games so far. What has sort of been your your grade? I guess let's we'll do. I guess letter grades is what we're gonna do here. We'll we'll do percentage. We'll do elementary school. Just good old ass letter grades. Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard as a duo. Maybe we can do them individually in a second, but sort of how would you grade how the Raptors' stars have carried them so far this year? Um, so as a duo, I'd probably say it's better than you expected, because I didn't know how Kyle would react to the trade, how he'd come out. I mean, you knew he'd come out and play hard, because um, that's just how he is. Um, but I thought he'd be all business, and with Kawhi being all business, you don't know how that would play out on the court. And I think it's played out really well. They played 
pretty much all their minutes together. Yeah. Uh, so that's been good in terms of the Knicks nurse trying to get their sort of chemistry going. I think that's uh, played out well. Um, I think Kyle has really looked to get Kawhi going, especially early in games. That's yeah. something that uh, you can see as a focus for him. So that's a positive as well. Um, in terms of a letter grade, I give it an A. Solid A. Yeah. I think yeah, Kawhi maybe like an A minus yeah. compared to what you think he's going to bring, right? Like right. he's been very good, a little inefficient. His shooting has kind of gone up and down. Yeah. There have been some issues with you know just sort of maybe being a little bit too sticky in the offense where the ball kind of comes to him and he's like, all right, I'm going to post up and not pass to anybody, and that's kind of the deal with him. But it's uh, he's been he's carried into a lot of wins as well, right? And he's had some insane games. He had a ridiculously efficient game against Boston a couple weeks ago. It was a loss, but he was amazing in that game. He's had other games against Boston or Philly where he forces Ben Simmons into 11 turnovers and like he kind of brings that defensive side that you don't really expect from a superstar, at least not in these parts, over the past little while as well. So yeah, I would say Kawhi probably an A-, 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 but Kyle Lowry, man, like, I know he's had a bit of a spell lately where his shooting has been if he not super like efficient, he's down to like 35% from three up on the season, even though he started the year at like 60% for the first two weeks. But just the way that he has kind of changed his game, right? And he's always been this guy who's been a decent assist player, a, a decent playmaker, but never like this concerted. The, the effort that he has in terms of like, all right, I'm going to get all these dudes buckets. I don't care about my own buckets. I'm going to have Steve Nash ass level of assists, and I don't care. And that's just going to be my game now. It's a big change of what he's normally done. And now he's like leading the league in assists, and it seems like it's going to just stay the way this all year. It's going to stay like that all year because he's just every time he's on the court, he's looking to make, he's looking for the best available shot for anybody on the team. It's not just for him. It's not just him looking for his own offense. It's like, okay, what's the best shot that someone can get right now? And that's kind of like, that's what he's looking for. And it's kind of led to the Raptors getting insanely good looks all over the place. It's led to a couple guys we're going to talk about in a little bit probably getting significantly higher letter grades than we would have thought they were going to. So Kyle's an A-plus to me. Kawhi's an A-minus. I'm assuming Kawhi's going to become closer to an A or A-plus by the end of the year because it's just, you can see he's kind of working through it and he's going to get there in terms of like shaking out the rust. But Kyle Lowry so far, man, he's been just outstanding. So A overall for the stars. Let's go to the secondary starters. You got Danny Green, Serge Ibaka. I would have included Jonas Valanciunas in here because they've been flip-flopping back and forth, Fair and enough. Pascal Siakam. As a collective, how would you grade that so that, that group of players? And then we can go individually if you want to. As a collective, I think they're an A plus. Yeah, they've been amazing. Starting with Danny Green, Serge has you know resurrected himself, and he's playing the best basketball of his career. So you can't have any complaints on that end. Uh, you look at what Jonas has done. Sure, he's been a little lax defensively and going for more, but it is what it is, and that's why he's playing the minutes that he's playing um, and being as efficient as he's ever been. Yeah. Uh, so his per thirty six numbers are ridiculous. Exactly. So normally you can't have any real complaints about any of these four guys, and then you look at Pascal Siakam with all the hype that was coming into the season over the, what he did in the summer. Um, I wonder if it would translate. And he's exceeded those expectations too. Like defensively, he's doing everything that you, you saw him do last season. Offensively, he's even making threes now. Yeah. Even not, not just the corner threes, like they're about to break ones too. So it's scary how good he could be. Yeah, Pascal's been insane. Like, if there's a, a beyond an A-plus for him, you could probably give that to him because he has just been... Like, I thought coming into the year, and we talked about this on previous podcasts, like, I thought by the end of the year you could say he's the third-best Raptor. He's probably already the third-best Raptor, and by, like, a pretty decent margin. Maybe you could say Serge Ibaka or Jonas Valanciunas, but, I mean, Serge's been insane. We'll get to him in a second. But Pascal... Just the way that he's been like, all right, I'm going to be part of the offense now. I'm going to take, you know, initiative and just t- take advantage of matchups. I mean, tonight's game against the Grizzlies, this will be dated by the time people hear this, but this is one of the most interesting matchups for him that I think I've come across because he's up against Jared Jackson Jr., who in theory is one of the very few people who is fast enough and defensively apt enough to hang with Pascal Siakam and maybe stop that spin move that literally nobody in the entire NBA has been able to stop so far. Yeah. So... We'll see how that ends up going for Pascal Siakam. But yeah, it's been it's been wonderful. The last 15 games for him, 17 points a game, 7.2 boards, 2.3 assists, one and a half steals. He's shooting 69% true shooting. It's ridiculous. It's a very nice true shooting percentage that he has going on right now. And it's just, I, I never had these expectations for him. I thought he was going to be kind of along the lines of OG Anobi. Well, there's some development. He's a nice piece. But he's like an essential part of the starting five. And honestly, coming into the year, 
I would imagine Nick Nurse would have been like, hey, if, if Pascal and OG flip-flop in the starting five, that's ideal for me. But Pascal's been so good that you just can't take him out. You have to get him all the minutes you can because he's so damn effective when he's on the court. Yeah, it's crazy because I still think about when he first came into the league and I saw him as this sort of half Kenneth Reed, half Tristan Thompson kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, full of energy. This and ultimate and garbage man. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And that's kind of what I saw as his ceiling. And he has knocked that way out of the park. Yeah. Um, and I think if he continues to make that three, if he can... I think the next step for him is being more of an impact player. Yeah. Um, like, that's why I still think Serge Ibaka is the third best player on the sure, team. Because sure. you see when when he plays a significant role in the team's offense or defense or whatever. The team's winning the game. Exactly, right? With Siakam, you're still seeing those games where, you know, he's dropping like 16, 18, whatever it is, but is it really changing the game, you know? So I think that's uh, his next step, yeah. how he sort of uh, is maybe able to shut down guys that he's guarding. That, that, that's something that uh, will come. I expect it to come now, which I probably wouldn't have said last year or the year before, which says everything you need to know about his development. Duke's come a long way since he was maybe the worst rotation player in the NBA in his rookie season. So, <laughs> to Pascal. Uh, Serge Bakke, Jonas Valanciunas, they're kind of intertwined, right? Like, yeah. Their fates have been tied together depending on who they're playing in a game, and they'll start based on who the opposing matchup is. Actually, tonight's very interesting. I'm not sure who's going to start between those two against Marcus Gasol. Maybe it's already been announced and I haven't seen it, but... And I think they oh, it has. It's Serge. Okay, never mind. Serge Bakke, it's Pascal. Whatever. I'm done. That's okay. Uh, we've 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 come to accept this on this podcast. Um, so, with Serge and Jonas, they've been intertwined. It's been matchup based. A lot of it's been mostly Serge, if we're being because that's what the NBA is, right? Like Serge is just like the better matchup for a lot of guys. You know, Jonas will get in there against the Andre Drummonds of the world and probably punk them a little bit because that's what he always does. But I don't know. How do you kind of assess their performance this year? Because honestly, we sound like enormous homers. It's like oh, A plus is A's, A's, like. What are you supposed to say? They've been amazing. Serge Ibaka is like a borderline all-star at this point. Jonas Valanciunas, if he was playing more minutes, would be an all-star pretty much with like a, with a bullet because his per-36 numbers have been insane. Every time he's on the court, he's like getting a double-double even though he plays 18 minutes. It's ridiculous. Like, why have they been so good, first of all? And like, I guess what you're grateful for. I think in terms of why why they're so good, it's just because they're playing the positions that they're meant to play. They're playing matchups that they're supposed to play. And I think we saw this all of last year with Ibaka. He was just more suited to the center. Um, he even said that he'd be more comfortable there. Uh, so I think now we're seeing him play out. And you see him going back to the thing that made him successful when he was at Oklahoma City, right? He's taking way more shots in the paint. He's getting away from that three ball. He's still taking them every once in a while just to keep the defense honest. Um, but that's all you want from him, right? You want him getting into the paint and being as effective as he has been. Um, the other positive for me is the number of times on that roll that he has found corner shooters uh, or just guys around the arc to knock down threes. That, that was a big criticism of him last season as well, right? That he wasn't finding guys uh, beyond the arc. Yeah, he'd get the ball and it'd be like stone hands, like what am I supposed to do with this? Three seconds later, he gets a turnover or something like that, right? Exactly. So, and then you'll get Jonas. Um, again, he's just getting the matchups that he enjoys and he's feasting. Um, and kudos to him for not complaining about minutes, losing his starting job in Jerry, even though he's still getting you know, a, fair, a fair amount of them. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it might have been easier for Nick Nurse to sort of have that conversation just because he had that relationship. It's like, hey, you might lose your starting job, but yeah. you're still a value piece. You know that I trust you, um, and I'm going to make sure I put you in the best position to succeed, which is, I think, ideally what a player wants. And ultimately, both guys are having career seasons, and it doesn't seem to matter who's getting their name announced by Strizzy extremely loudly at the start of the game. And, like, I know, I know that's, like, a thing that people want to be. It's like a starter, but, like, honestly, your numbers are probably more telling of what you are. And so, considering that the numbers have both been extremely good, I think that sell job is going pretty well. But yeah, I agree. like with Surge in particular, just the, again, the passing that you mentioned, yeah. it's so much more comfortable, right? And it's not like it's he's making insane, like behind the back passes. Like, he's not making Jonas passes. I mean, let's put it that way. Jonas has been like kind of amping his game up a little bit when it comes to that. He's not making next level reads, but he's making the basic rudimentary reads, which is all you really needed from Surge. Exactly. And I kind of like the point you made about him just like abandoning the three ball because like, a lot of people will be like, oh, he's not shooting threes anymore. How is he a modern big? He's a modern big in other ways because he has been a, like a really good, like a, just a magnet for, for help defense and 
the way the Raptors are using him, the way having him at center, not having two bigs just cluttering the floor all the time, it makes them more of a modern team because they're just spread out and there's shooters everywhere. And even if Pascal Siakam's in the corner, that's also a danger because you kick to him and he's just going to drive and spin move on you, right? So it's uh, he's been just he's fit so much better and he's playing the position he's meant to play for the first time in four or five years, right? Because he never got to play next to Steven Adams when Steven Adams emerged, and then he, got, he never got to play with Orlando because they had seven hundred centers. Yep. And he didn't get to play next to Jonas because they traded for him and it was like, okay, we got to keep this guy, we have to start him, even though it was pretty clear very early on, like, maybe he shouldn't be starting. Like, the best lineup for Serge Ibaka when he first got traded for was Ibaka next to PJ Tucker with Jonas off the floor. Yeah. That was telling, but you couldn't, like, bench him and say, all right, here, come back and sign with us, please. Like, we'd love to have you back, bench player. So it seems now that he's more comfortable, he's got his contract, all that stuff, he's getting paid. It's nice that it's, he's just kind of able to adapt. And honestly, this was a big season for Surge. I said at the start of the year on our Locked on NBA preview, if Surge has a bad season, this could dictate the future of his career, right? He's got one more year after this. He could be a guy who's like a minimum contract guy or a guy who gets another big deal because he's, you know, conformed to the modern game and he's done a ladder and he's probably going to get paid for it afterwards, which is great for him. And it's, and it's awesome to see for the Raptors. And then for Jonas, I mean, it's just the same stuff with him, right? They stopped giving him post-ups all the time, or it was awkward and took away from the offense. And well, lo and behold, he's a very good pick-and-roll man because he's an enormous person who no one can guard, and he's also become a pretty nice passer. Yeah. Is he also an A-plus for you? Individually? No, I wouldn't give him an A-plus no. just of the defense. That's uh, enough. <laughs> that's still a thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I would give him maybe a B-plus, maybe an A-minus, just in that range. Um, I don't know... Uh, what he could do to pick up on the defensive end. I mean, he's tried so many things at this point, you know, adjusting his running style and losing weight and everything that he could possibly do. So you appreciate the effort, um, but it's just where the league is now, right? Yeah. Obviously, if he, if he was in the league 20 years ago, he'd be a monster. Oh, he'd be, like, he wouldn't be Shaq, but he'd be... You wouldn't like, be able to take him off. He'd be much more liked than Bill Weddington was on the Bulls for Michael Jordan. He'd <laughs> be like, oh, we have good Bill Weddington now. Great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there you are. Um, yeah, and then just to go back to Serge, I mean, he might dictate the Raptors' future uh, uh, as well now. Yeah. Based on Danny Green's podcast, he's been friends with Kawhi now. So. Yeah. Yeah. This is exciting stuff, man. Kawhi's staying. It's going to happen for sure. We're not talking about our next guest. We're not talking about Kawhi Brian. We're talking about <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, of course. But uh, Danny Green's the last guy in the secondary starters. Let's go quickly on him. What is your great brain so far? A plus. I mean, yeah, he's been incredible. I don't think yeah. there's anything you could say that he hasn't done that you expected. Yeah. Whatever your expectations were coming in, you look at the down season that he had with San Antonio last year. Yeah. Uh, coming into this year. Um, He's honestly been one of my favorite role players uh, to watch the last few years. Yeah, you know what he did against Miami in back-to-back finals. Um, obviously, San Antonio held for the one year, but that was the year at the time he set the NBA Finals record for three. Yeah, he almost won MVP of that finals. Yeah, like, it was exactly. very close. Yeah. yeah, he's that effective of a role player. Like in terms of a role player, I put him up there with you know the Derek Fishers, the Robert Ories. Like, yeah, he's that impactful, right? When we talked about impact before, he's someone that when he has a good game. Raptors are likely going to win. There's a reason all the Raptors' best lineups have him on the court. Exactly. It's kind of a thing. He's extremely good. Yeah. And and this is this is always been a thing with the Raptors' role players, not maybe not being willing to shoot when they should. Yeah. He Hello, Patrick Patterson. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> and Dan Green is so far away from that, right? Yeah. He's got a big shot comes along. He, he, he doesn't care that Kawhi's on the court or Lowry's on the court. If, if it's his shot, he's going to take it. Yeah. And that's what you want in a role player, in a premium role player. Uh, he's giving you all that. He's giving you the leadership. Um, he's brought some snakes to Toronto as well. He does have snakes, which I'm going to have to ask him about because my brother's a big snake guy too. Maybe I can get them to like compare snakes or something yeah. like that. It's a weird... People are laughing at the phrase compare snakes because their minds are in the gutter, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but you shouldn't. Let's <laughs> go off of this right now. Um, also gross. Uh, a minus for Danny Green. I think his shooting's been a little bit streaky, so I'll, I'll dock him for that. But other than that, even when his shooting's streaky, he doesn't seem to care. He's like, oh, uh, I missed that three. He had a game a sequence against the Wizards where he had this wide open three. 
and he missed it terribly, and it bounced right back to him, and he took the same three and missed it, but he's like, I don't care, I'm Danny Goddamn Green. I'm gonna yep. fucking take that shot anytime I want. Yep. It's great, love it. Danny Green's great. The bench mob. This is where the grades might get a little more dark. Because the bench has not been awesome. No. We don't have to go with for every single player, but just in general, why has the bench been not so awesome this year compared to last year where it was eviscerating teams and winning games against LeBron James single-handedly and able to play in the playoffs by itself, sort of. Yeah, so to start the season, obviously, they, they were lacking ball handlers. You look at Fred missing time, you look at DeLon missing time, and then uh, you look at Siakam on the lineup as well. So they, they've missed that ball handling, I feel, and then you look at the shooting. Uh, CJ Miles still needs to get going, so, so that's a big factor, I think, with that lineup, just because shooting you need shooting around them to, to spread the floor, to let them lead and go on, have the lanes that they need to sort of, you know, drive and dish and be creative. Um, so I don't think that has played out as they would like or as it did last season. Um, so that's a big factor. Um, Fred hasn't found his game. Uh, no. He's been struggling. He's working on the most part. Uh, he's had a couple of good games. He had a good game against Chicago, against Chicago. And was it, was it Washington? I thought he was against Washington. Yeah. yeah. So... Hopefully, he'll find that consistency as well. Um, DeLon, I think, has been pretty solid since he came back from his uh, shoulder issue, so I'm not too... He's hit, like, four threes him. in a row, and it's very tantalizing. Yeah, <laughs> he should go up against Dwayne Wade more often. Yeah. He had, like, a pull-up three against the Wizards, and I was like, oh, uh, apparently this is the DeLon thing now. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, besides that, I think it's just... For them, it's probably a harder adjustment going back and forth between Serge and Jonas at center, right? Whereas before, they always had that consistency in the front court of Pascal and Jakob and how well that chemistry worked, right? So it, it's a constant thing that's changing. You look at how much more clunky uh, the pick and roll looks when Van Lee or DeLon yeah. with JV. Yeah. And it's, it's night and day when Kyle's in that pick and roll with JV, right? So yeah. that's something that they have to figure out. So um, those, those are things that. You know, we're again 20 days in, so you expect that to develop over time. Not everything's going to be perfect. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 17 and 4, they're so much garbage. They're going to be so much better. <laughs> exactly. So it's actually kind of messed up that they're 17 and 4 with the bench being as bad as it's been and as injured as they've been. I mean, it's again, it sounds homery as hell, but like they could be better than this at this point. They're, they're, they could be. In a normal year where the Warriors don't exist, where they don't have that insane, just like, monopolization of talent. The Raptors are a legitimate talent contender. And yeah. like, they might be a favorite. That's how good they are. Yeah. Don't, don't lose sight I mean, they, of that. I, I, I think good. they are a legitimate talent contender. That's fair, yeah. I mean, I think if the Warriors are entirely healthy, they'll probably walk to the title, but here's hoping Draymond Green punches somebody in the nuts, and oh, here's hoping him and Kevin Durant hate each other so much that they trade one of them. I don't know. Yeah. Could happen. Yeah. The strife there is real. Steph Curry's also hurt a lot, so, the Raptors are in the spot. Exactly. They're in that position. Um, just for a couple notes on the bench mob, I would like Kyle Lowry to just take the lawn right in front of Van Vliet and just have like a three-hour pocket pass practice <laughs> so they can, they can learn how to get into the bigs because it's, it's not that hard. I mean, maybe it is hard. Maybe Kyle's just that good, but like, I feel like he can impart that wisdom upon Fred and DeLon and kind of get them to be more willing to share with the bigs instead of looking for their own stuff because a lot of times it feels like Fred at five foot eleven or whatever he is, will kind of take it upon himself to go to the basket, and it's like eh, you have bigs there to help you out, dude. You you, you don't yeah. need to do that at, at your height. You're, you're a great finisher and all. And Delon writes an awesome finisher. I would Delon doesn't have to pass anybody. You can just go <laughs> finish around the rim all you want. The one thing that has been weird about Fred is how much more out of control he gets this season. Yeah, compared to last. Yeah, that was his calling card. Yeah, he's not steady right. Freddy anymore. No. He's like kind of nervous Freddy, which is strange. Yeah. Um. So I'll give the bench like a C plus. Yeah. Because OG and Jonas have been really good. The rest of the elements have been kind of iffy and injured. Yeah. And there's been some Lorenzo Brown minutes, which I don't know. I'm almost ready for Jordan Lloyd over Lorenzo Brown at this point. <laughs> but uh, we'll say that for the bench. And quickly, Nick Nurse. What's your grade for Nick Nurse so far as a head coach of the Raptors? 17-4 is probably a pretty high grade. Yeah, I mean, I'll give him an A-. Yeah. Um, there's still some rotation issues, I think. 
Um, I think the one thing that I find weird is for all the talks of flexibility and being open to experimenting, the one thing that he's really leaning away from is playing Serge and Jonas together. Yeah. Um, there are games where that works. Like that Pistons game yeah, exactly. could have worked with those two. Yeah. So just not being open to that at all. Yeah. Um, and only using it in that Atlanta game because he had to. Yeah. Um, that, that, I think, has been a little bit frustrating. Because it's not like that starting five last year with those two together was bad. They were like a plus seven per 100 percent. Exactly. They were pretty exactly. good. Yes. Yeah. Um, so again, you know, that might be just a personal opinion of this where he just wants to set that sort of precedent of, you know, this is how we're going to play no matter what. Uh, you guys need to get used to it. Because um, I guess if you look at the matchups, if you look at a Boston, you look at Golden State, you look at Houston, you look at uh, Milwaukee, it's going to have to be one or, one or the other, right? Yeah. So. Um, if it's all just in preparation for that, then you know, and then he wins the series against them, then he's the one who's going to be laughing at us, right? Yeah, I think it's a little bit to get too caught up in his rotations because I think he's just like trying stuff out and seeing what works. And I bet there will be a phase of the year where he's like, all right, let's test this Serge and Jonas thing out a little bit. Like, he seems like he's kind of a tinkerer. And well, he talked about that freak lineup as well, right? Where no, the freak lineup with uh, like what was it, Pascal at center? Uh, sorry, Pascal point guard, Kawhi, Dan Green. OG, OG and Serge. Ibaka, yeah. yeah, that's so no Lowry. Ready, ready for freak lineup. Yeah. Super ready for freak lineup. I would see that. Maybe we'll see that side against the Grizzlies because they're very long. I don't know. <laughs> or against the Warriors. Yeah. Give me freak lineup against the Lowry's always awesome against the Warriors. So taking him off the court seems not awesome, but in the minutes where he's on the bench, make a freak lineup. Like there. those minutes when Livingston's at the point, it might work. Yeah, that's that's true. Freak lineup. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Nick, I would give Nick Nurse like an A minus as well. I think there's still some stuff to work on, but it's hard to really tell exactly. Like we we talked all along about experimentation with him, right, and how he's going to test stuff out. And I feel like this early part of the season, while they're winning games anyway, why not test their shit out and see if it works, right? It doesn't yeah. have to be every single game. You know, the thing that is the criticism of Dwayne Casey was, hey, he has the same rotation every single game. You don't get data on anything else. We know these lineups are very good, but what about the other lineups? Yep. Nick Nurse is like, all right, we have the one lineup that we know is great. It's the starters with Surge or the starters with Jonas. Those lineups have just shit-kicked teams, and it's awesome that we know that's going to be good. Yeah. The other lineups that he's checking out, some of them great, some of them are great, some of them are not. He's had the one lineup, the one game where he went to Pascal at center. I can't remember which game. Was it the Celtics game or something like that? Or Yeah. Yeah. He went to Pascal Center for one game, and it was uh, pretty awesome. And I'd like to see that more often. And you know, we'll we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I, I think Nick Nurse has done a pretty good job so far. And I, I like Nick Nurse. He just seems like he's stoked to be coaching this team. I think he knows how lucky he is that he like got a team and was like, oh, now I have Kawhi Leonard to work with. Yeah, sweet. That's pretty dope. And I think he's kind of just like embraced it and is very happy with the uh, with, with just the, the team that he's with. And like, he still, we'll talk about when you ask him about how good, the team, how good the team is or how good it can be, he always has his little smirk. He's like, yeah, we're fucking good, man. We're really goddamn good. <laughs> like, he doesn't want to say it, but he's saying it. Um, I think it's going to do it for our grades. Vivek, thank you so much for joining me for the live pod. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Thanks, fantastic. We're going to bring up our second guest, who is a writer for Raptors HQ and the culture watch genius the person who named their child Kawhi to help will Kawhi to Toronto many years before it ever happened. It's Kelsey O'Brien from Raptors HQ. How's it going, Kelsey? Not bad. How are you? I'm great. We're going to do a little mailbag segment now. Got some listener questions in. So let's run through some of these here, Kelsey. First of all, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, all right. Which Raptor is most equipped 
Actually, let's save this one for later. By the way, I don't know if I said off the top, we're at Odds Bar in Hamilton. It's a fantastic establishment. It's got some very nice beers, although I'm a little short on beer. Dave wants to maybe bring me over another Collingwood Brown Ale. That'd be delightful. <laughs> um, the, the food is excellent. It's, it's a good establishment. And thank you for Odds for hosting us tonight. And uh, so, yeah, they have this thing called the Frank Thomas Nachos. Which are oh, oh, give me a menu. Let's read off. Let's read off. All right, there's a thing called the Frank Thomas nachos on the menu here. Mozzarella. By the way, there's an asterisk because these are quite large. Mozzarella, cheddar blend, queso, baja roast chicken, flat iron steak, spiced nacho meat, crema, house hot sauce, lettuce, pico de gallo, pickled jalapenos, and scallions. It's about five pounds of nacho designed by some freaking lab. If you eat it yourself, it gets it's free, so that's very nice and good. Thank you, Dave. You're a lovely man. Which raptor will be most equipped to take down the Frank Thomas nachos by themselves? I'd say either Brandon Earl or Jonas. Greg Monroe or Jonas? You're going with the big man option here, huh? I think Greg Monroe would do a point of report. You just hang on the bench, just give him a platter during a game, and it's like, hey, Greg, house these nachos. You're not going to play until maybe garbage time. So, yeah, he's hanging in the corner. He's, he's just sitting at the end of the bench, pressing nachos all game. Do you think he could do it within the span of the game? No, for sure. Okay. I think you get a demo on that. Oh, that's that's impressive. I, no pressure on just you. Just so people know, no one's ever done the Frank Thomas challenge before, or completely successfully, so it's going to be tough. My answer for this is the long right. Here's my thing. I know he's like 90 pounds. I had a friend in university who was like a little fella, like 125 pounds. He could eat like 30 chicken McNuggets and it was fine. And he wouldn't get, it wouldn't affect him. He'd just be skinny and 125 pounds in his thing. It was no problem. I feel like the long red has good metabolism. I feel like he's used to eating garbagey food because I don't think he cooks for himself. Yeah. I made the point on the podcast this past week with Katie Hyde when we talked about the Serge Bach episode of How Hungry Are You? And we were talking about which signature dish each raptor perspective in the kitchen. Mine was the long rice goes to Chipotle four times a week. I think he eats like crap. I love the long rice, but he just strikes me as a guy who's like, you know what, I'm just going to walk around, I'm going to get some of the dishes. You know yeah, that's true. Yeah. I remember the raptor that he spot last year. Yeah. And his thing was like waffles, covered in chocolate sauce, covered in fruity milk. Yeah, he eats like he eats like an infant. He eats like a ten-year-old whose parents don't look that weekend. He drinks like a two-liter of milk. Yeah, he loves chocolate milk. Love you, Delon Right, but you're definitely housing these nachos, and I'm not afraid to say it. So, shout out to Delon Right, nacho champions. Next meal that question came in here. Which three Raptors would comprise the best Christmas dinner party? Nice festive question. I'm the most festive person in the world. I'm extremely excited for Christmas. The Pogues are already stuck in my goddamn head. It's not a green party. It's not a Christmas sweater. It's just a party. And it's a Terrence Ross jersey underneath. Just Terrence Ross putting on 28 of the Warriors head tops, by the way. Goddamn hero. So, which three rappers would comprise it? It's you and three rappers having Christmas dinner. Oh, Christmas dinner. Yes. Nothing else. Which three rappers are comprising the best Christmas dinner party? First of all, who's cooking? Is it me? Here's the thing. Maybe it's a collaborative effort. Maybe it's a little, it could be a little potluck. Or it could just be one person's all right, I'm going to come over. Maybe they have a nice apron they throw on. So this could be part of your answer. If you think you're a good enough cook, Bring the people who aren't good cooks if you want. But if you can't, if you don't think you can cook, which I'm pretty sure you can. Oh yeah, I can. I, 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 hear, I, I hear that you throw down in the kitchen. At least that's what you said to shitty that's on the internet. I've seen that. Um, maybe you just want to bring the guys who don't want to cook in there. It might be interesting otherwise. Well, so I would do search, obviously. Interesting. Not to cook. <laughs> Take off some clothes and watch me cook. But, and Danny Green, maybe for conversation. Yeah. And Jonas, yeah. I feel like, is hilarious. Jonas, I think, is the funniest rapper. People don't realize it. He's insanely funny. He's just got such a dry sense of humor. It's so dry. It probably takes you a minute to get what he's saying. Yeah. Did he just insult me? Oh, no, he's just really funny. It's very dry, and it's like almost a language barrier thing, even though English is clearly his, like, he's very good at English at this point. But there's still this, like, yeah, there's just, like, there's clearly a bit of a disconnect where the humor is, like, lasting to come. 
but it's still there. It's great. I love it. He's hilarious. I, I agree with Jonas. I would say CJ Miles. Only he brings his baby and his wife. Yeah, he that's my dinner party. Yeah, just be in the Miles family. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad answer, really. I, mean, I can't really argue with that. Um, yeah, so CJ is like probably the best conversationalist on the team. I know Danny Green is a podcast, but CJ is just like whatever you want to talk about, he will talk about it. He has said, like, outwardly, yes, the media is annoying, but, like, it's their job. So, of course, I'm going to talk to them. Yeah, it's really sweet. He's a really good dude. So, give me CJ. Maybe he brings Lauren as a plus one. That's fine. And Ava can come, too. There's a little crack in the back. She can hang out and sleep. Perfect. I got one of those. All right. Uh, I don't think I'm being Serge. Because I think he'd want to get in the kitchen and be like, here. You have the stuffing, but what if I put lamb brains in the turkey instead of stuffing? What if I did that? <laughs> I love Serge Ibaka, but no, I don't think I want it. Also, as a person in the media, he's not the most popular dude when it comes to like talking to media schlubs like me. So maybe he's not. Although he seems pretty personable when he's going to have hungry. So I don't know. Maybe if he has the rappers there, he's more personable. I mean, if he's very quiet, he's got some sort of personality. That's true. Making the friends who discuss the shit. True, true. Although the last episode, the just the most recent episode where you made Danny Green and Bruno Stone should just eat pig's head. Yes. Yeah. It was like, it looked delicious. It looked awesome. Saying, that crispy yeah. ear looked, it looked awesome. That. And Jonas was like, I eat that all the time, yeah. dude. This is nothing. <laughs> you've gone soft, Serge. Another reason I tell him to take down the doctor because I feel like he eats some weird Lithuanian shit. <laughs> there's a lot of pickle shit that he's eating. There's no spice, though. I don't think there's much spice yeah, in this cigarette. Yeah, that's true. We were watching a. Food Network show one time, and they were at a Russian restaurant. They were like, so like, what goes into this food? And they're like, you know, it's lots of vegetables and not much spice. It's like, oh, that sounds delicious. That's that's Jonas food right there. Yeah. So the notch would be tough for him. What do you think of Kyle Lowry as a Christmas dinner guest? Would he be too? Would he be too grinchy? Oh no! I did. Did you see his Halloween costume with his wife? I did. Yeah. That well, was I didn't get it. It's from Norbit, right? Is yeah. That the reference was? Yeah. Okay, I didn't get it, but. But the fact that he dressed up in like this old ass workout suit with his wife, and he threw the party, and he was just so into character. Like I feel like he's probably really fun at parties. Yeah. Plus, he might bring his mom, who's my best friend. So. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I do wonder if Kyle like. He puts off his curmudgeon the image, but he'd be like the Grinch at the end of the Grinch when he's like carving the roast beast. He's the best host. He seems like a delightful like host. Yeah, his heart grows three sizes at Christmas. The thing about Kyle, though, like he's damn good he's damn good when he's talking about anything. Yeah. So I feel like if you know him, he's probably a completely different person. And I met his kids at his basketball camp. Okay. And they are the most well-behaved, adorable little boys. And if you can't have a dickhead for a dad, that's true. So you're so we're just having the Mileses and the Larrys over for dinner. Yeah, is what pretty I'm much. Saying. Okay, right on. Uh, let's go on to the next question here. We'll go with a basketball question from Vivek Jacob. He sent this one in. Serge or Pascal, whose start is more sustainable? Boring. This is some dunk on shit right here. Yeah. What's the most unsustainable? Who, who is most likely to stay this good by the end of the year? Pascal. Why do you say that? He's, I think when Pascal's body, or when his brain catches up with his body, he's yeah. going to be unstoppable. Like, yeah. He's so fast right now, but I think his gift is a little bit of a curse at times because his body gets so ahead of his brain. Right. But once that catches up, it's probably going to be like sort of just slowing down because, I mean, he's not, he's what, 30 years old now? I don't even know. I think he's like 29. Like he's younger yeah. than you think. You could be an ass and say, "Oh, he's 35," but no, that's kind of an asshole thing to say. I'm not going to say anything bad about Serge Ibaka. No, Serge Ibaka is the light. Anything I say or maybe look like a bitch. No, I think Pascal. I'd say Pascal. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think what he does, and maybe this falls apart in the playoffs because maybe there's a chance that in the playoffs. He becomes more of a liability because he can't shoot, and maybe teams kind of treat him differently. But teams are treating him differently right now. It's like, oh, well, you can't shoot, we're not going to guard you. It's like, okay, I'm going to spin move your ass and score. And so, he doesn't need to shoot. I mean, yeah. you have Kawhi, you have Kyle, you have Danny. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, you have CJ. If he's your one bad shooter, that's pretty damn good. That's exactly. like Ben Simmons like, right? It's a guy who is. Although he's not a coward and will attempt to shoot a three. It's um, not quite Ben Simmons, because obviously Ben Simmons is like the next level insane passer, and Pascal has to work on that a little bit, but like, if he's your one bad shooter, 
it's the and same effect, right? Terrible. Yeah, and he's willing to shoot them. Yeah. And if he's getting he has a hot game, that wins you a game right there. And he should have this year. Yeah. I was thinking, Pascal, I might say Surge is more sustainable just because he's playing with Kyle so much. And I think Kyle's kind of what is sort of bullying him really right now. And I think Kyle's going to stay what he's been. And I don't see what they're doing offensively really changing. And so I think, honestly, I think both are pretty sustainable. I don't think Kyle's going to really fall off. Pascal, maybe he won't shoot 70% of the entire season. Maybe some of those layups will start missing, but okay. we have a listener question in here. Oh, we have, a, we have a listener here. Oh, this is an excellent question, too. Give it to us on a receipt. Fantastic. It's a bank receipt. Let's read off the bank number. <laughs> so, the question that just came in here, by the way, I think both are sustainable. They're very good. Let's get to the fun question. The best haircut on the Raptors. Fantastic question that just came in. What is the best haircut on the Raptors right now? OG and OG. OG, huh? Yeah, number three, I'll do OG. I agree. Okay. What's, Not what's, many people can pull it off. What's, what's so good about OG's haircut? Um, it frames his face perfectly. It looks good with or without a hairband. Okay. Are you concerned about his lack of facial hair? You know it's like, not spread you know, I agree. <laughs> he, gets, he gets cut every day. <laughs> we have John in the back. We have the weight of God as a suggestion, Fred Van Vliet, which I think I agree with. Although it's been a little bit more untidy this season, I think like being a father is maybe cutting into his haircut time, which is fine. It's okay. But he's got the waves going. He goes like every 11 days or something crazy like that. No, well, it's like three times a week. Okay, that's also maybe also the case. Um, yeah, so it's Fred. For me, I think it's Fred. But Pat, sorry, you said OG. Sorry, the the lack of OG facial hair is that a concern for you? Not at all. No. I think you look weird with facial hair. Do you want OG to do the Chris Bosh thing where he actually grows it out into dreads? No. I want to keep it exactly how it is now. Is there any raptor who you think could pull off dreads? Stumped you. Surge with dreads. Can Surge grow hair? Can he grow hair? I think so, because when you look at his head when he hasn't completely shaved it, it is a pretty, he doesn't like, have like, a widow's peak yeah. no receding hair. It's a pretty hair. pronounced hairline. Yeah. He could possibly do it. Although, why would Surge mess with it? Like, really? Why would mess with perfection? Yeah. You're right. Honestly, maybe Kyle could do the Drew Holiday thing, like the pirate bandana and the, and the short dreads. Just, but. I hope not, but yeah. maybe. Yeah. I just wish, I mean, the only, the next step for OG is match his shoes to his headband. Right. Would be my favorite thing. So you're a fan of the headband for OG? Are you, oh, yeah. Are you, you pro headband for everybody? I if think so. If you got so. a team with headbands, would you be oh, that? I'll, I'll team first headband, yeah, Terrence Ross. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but what about like, Jonas headband or no. Surge headband? No. I think Serge could pull off like the Jerome James headband. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not Serge. Sur no. Sorry, not Serge. Not, not, not Jonas. <laughs> Definitely not Jonas. He would look like me when I bought a headband when I was seven years old and went to school. Look, his haircut is like my nine year old when my nine year old won't style his hair. Yeah, his, he has Harry Potter ass hair. It's just unruly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a mess. It's, it's just a mess all the time. But the beard is good. I'm here with Serge with the Yoda's. You know, Actually, the Yoda's facial hair might help the haircut thing for me. He might be up to the time. And then when he shaves it all off in the playoffs, you're like, oh, yeah. he's a completely different person. What about Kawhi's hair? What about Kawhi's hair? I love Kawhi's hair. I love the outdated tribute to Carmelo Anthony. I try to put braids in my Kawhi's hair all the time. <laughs> he won't let me do they take two. <laughs> they do, but I can get about two of them done, and yeah. then he won't sit still any longer. Fair enough. Uh, I think Kawhi, I think what Kawhi's hair is that he's kind of inspired a new wave of cornrows throughout the league, I think. Like, Andrew Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins' career has been defined by A, Tom Thibodeau running him into the ground, B, Jimmy Butler hitting him, and C, Kawhi Leonard usually punking him every time they play. And I think Andrew Wiggins' hair is an ode to the guy who punks him every time he plays him. Yeah, he's like, if I can't be, beat him, I might as well be him, you know what I mean? So. That's my theory on Andrew Wiggins' hair. But we've got quite a long time. We have an extra part. Oh, get to one last question here before we get The game is going to start in about five minutes. This question comes in from John. How do you feel about Vince scoring 25,000 points on the wraps at the end of the, the, end of the game? Did you have thoughts or takes on what happened last week? 
I am not salty about it. I thought it was beautiful. I jumped. I screamed. The I did too. Dumped it. Yeah. Wasn't made. I called him and he was making back a free throw. Yeah. And then I'm glad that he earned it, and I'm glad he wasn't just given like what was it? Kobe Bryant's last game like sixty. 60 yeah. The most bullshit 60 you've ever seen. Exactly. It wasn't given to For a sexual assault person, also. For a rapist. Yes, for a rapist. <laughs> Fuck Kobe. Forever. Sorry if that can't swear. I can swear in the podcast. It's, it's your fine. podcast. It's a live podcast. <laughs> 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 Things happen. Kobe happens and you want to get mad at Kobe. Anyway, uh, Vince is not Kobe. Vince is pure and good, mostly, I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was totally down for it. The 25k was awesome. The, the fact that he was gunning for it in the last minute. I know some people were like, oh, they cheapened the game. But it's like, it's a game against the Hawks. Every game the Hawks play is cheap. They're bad. Exactly. This is all they have. This is all the Hawks have. I think my mic is going here. So we should probably wrap this thing soon. It's good. I got it back. It's all the Hawks have. They have games in garbage time where milestones can happen for Vince. And like, sometimes Trey Young will hit some shots. But most of the time, he won't. That's all they really have. So... For me, yeah, I, I, I'm, all, I'm, I'm all good with it. It was a really nice moment. It's, it's cool that it happened against the Raptors. Kyle Lowry's after-game interview was really sweet as well, kind of giving tribute to Vince. It was all very good. I'm a big fan, and Vince Carter lives forever. And I hope one day soon he gets his jersey retired in Toronto. And it's nice. The Raptors played the Grizzlies tonight. It's fitting. This was the game. Remember back when he visited the Raptors? I know Serge Ibaka's on the TV right now, but focus, Kelsey, focus. <laughs> right, right here. <laughs> I know, I know that the game that when, when sort of they buried the hatchet with Vince was against the Grizzlies, and and since then it's been kind of a lot, a lot better. There was a nice tribute video; it was all good. I I think most of the hard feelings were put behind us, which is nice, and uh, I think we can just kind of move on with being happy with for Vincent. And like, there was a rumor this week that Vince still wants to sign with the Raptors at some point. Bring him on as a bio guy. Trade CJ Miles for him. I don't give a damn. Bring bring Vince back. I'm all for this. And the thing about it is, how young was he with that? when that happened. Like, well, he was a baby. He was like, 25. Like, you, I did some dumb shit when I was 25, and I didn't have a national spotlight on me. So I am 25. I'm still doing dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't, like, I forgive him. I'm over it. Everyone else should be over it, too. The only person, there's only one person who hasn't forgiven him, and it's a regular on this podcast. I know where his father knows him, but it's Dan Grant. He hasn't forgiven him. That's fine. Dan's old. He's an old man. Very old. Fatherly man. He could have been on this podcast, but he's being a good boy instead. Yeah, Alright, I think we should wrap this thing. We're starting about four minutes here, so we're gonna, the mics might be dying. So, we're going to wrap this. Kelsey, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Vivek, thanks for, to Vivek for coming on as well. It was fantastic. Thanks for Odds hosting the show as well. And letting us talk in their bar and be loud. And, and thanks for everyone who showed up as well. Thanks to everyone who made questions. It was fantastic. And uh, now let's watch the Raptors play the Grizzlies. And uh, let's watch the Pascal Siakam, Jaron Jackson Bowl. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time on Lockdown Raptors. Good night. Thank you. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.